Hey, everybody, it's the 11 Dubcast. I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And, you know, Johnny, uh, I would say that the perfect payback for getting absolutely shellacked at basketball yeah. is to turn around and steal half that school's football players the next couple of days. Yeah, so, and, and Maryland uh, fans are really upset about it, which is really funny to me because, I mean, <laughs> come on. like you, you know, if you're a fan of Maryland football, I feel like you have to have an understanding that there's at least like a 50% chance that any recruit above four stars is basically fair game until signing day. Like you're just going to have to go ahead and, and like deal with that reality. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no way like you, you have like a five star guy. You're not going to be like, yeah, this guy's locked up in August. We got him forever. Like, come on, dude, like know who you are and that's, and be okay with it. If you keep the guy, that's great. If not, well, then's the breaks, but you're still competing against urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh and all those other guys. So just, Relax. Relax a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Well, and there was a lot of people mad online this week. Um, I, I got my first taste of Maryland Twitter this week in full force. <laughs> it's and, unfortunate. You know, it stacks right up there with Tennessee, so bravo, Maryland fans. Uh, you know what? Maryland uh, has a much more, much more rabid, vociferous fan base than I had anticipated, but I actually know some people from that part of the country, and, and they, they're not a large group group of people but they do take maryland football very seriously and i'm not really sure why but they do and more power to them i guess i mean i'm not going to hate on somebody for being passionate about their team but you know (laughs) and it's and it is a little let's be fair it's a little hypocritical of of an ohio state fan to say guys you need to learn to temper your expectations but still (laughs) like i i think that it's important to keep things in perspective yeah, let's keep it all in perspective. Let's keep in perspective that game against Maryland, by the way, over the weekend. That was garbage. Where, that was garbage. Uh, Ohio State, Gabby. I would say, I think it's fair to say that they did not play very good basketball yeah. on uh, the weekend. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I would agree with that. I think it's fair to say that they didn't probably play as good a defense as they could have. I don't think they did anything as good as they could. You could run down <laughs> literally every aspect of the game of basketball, and they played it poorly and that's fine I mean again I'm going to say the same thing that I did you know when they got shellacked what against Indiana like it's their young team they're stupid you know I'm not look I thought this were a team worthy of an elite eight or a sweet 16 I would be really super mad right now but I'm not because they're not I mean they're an NIT team at best and that's fine that is fine and I'm not like again to, to use the exact same analogy that I just did uh, with the Maryland fans, you have to understand the team that you have and the expectations that you're going into the season with. I did not have great expectations for this team just because it's so young and inexperienced, mm-hmm. and they were without you know some of the players that they need to have. So they, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not freaking out about it. I'm not freaking out about it. It's stupid, but I'm not freaking out about it. Well, there were some differences with the two blowouts at, against Indiana. They just weren't ready at all from the get go. Yeah, uh, against Maryland, it seemed like they started a lot brighter than they did against Indiana, and they and they were actually holding Mello Trimble off the board and and doing a fairly decent job of hanging in there. But it got away from them a little bit just before halftime, right? And then it just completely unraveled in the second half. Yeah, the I mean the first half, you know, it, it seemed like it was getting worse as the half went on. You kind of see the Avalanche starting, but. One thing, I mean, one consistent between these two games is that the other teams just, like, shot out of their, their minds. And and part of that is because of poor defense, but 
sometimes you just catch a team on a bad day and it ends up biting you in the butt. That has nothing to do with Ohio State's offensive woes from time to time. But I do think that both Maryland and Indiana had excellent, superlative, amazing, terrific shooting games against Ohio State. And you really can't, you know, at a certain point, if they're hitting all their threes, you can't really do a whole lot about that. Uh, yeah, it was like seven of their first nine, I think. Yeah, like, and, that. And like, and again, that and that will kill a young team. I mean, it's one thing. The reason why they beat Kentucky, right, is in part because Kentucky was shooting so poorly in the first half. And that gives you the confidence to say, all right, we can hang with these guys. We can do what we need to do. If you're a young team and you're maybe not really sure what you're good at and then the other team just starts hitting everything in front of you and you can't do anything to stop it, that's a huge, huge demoralizer. I, I don't... Uh, blame. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but I don't necessarily blame, I think, Ohio State for maybe not handling that very well, because it's hard, especially when you know the team that you're playing is as good as they are. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's stupid, but it's a learning process. And if you see this next year, I'll be a little PO'd. But again, we're we still got a lot of time left in the season. This is a learning process, and, and we'll see where we are at the end of the season. Yeah, and in the end, you're on the road against a team in Maryland that I think could go pretty deep. Oh yeah, the they're they're one of the best teams in the country. That's not really, I think, up for debate, right? Like they're yeah. they're excellent. So it, it's it's it is what it is. It's gonna be it's gonna be ugly at times for this team, but there's gonna be some nice surprises along the way. We've already had one of those against Kentucky. Um, you know, there's gonna be they're going to have to take care of the bottom and middle part of the Big Ten because they're not really on the level yet to play with the bigs uh, in the conference. I. I expect this. Well, and they have so far, right? Like, I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, the the teams that they have supposed to be competitive and beat, you know, that they've done that, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, that that's really what I want. If they weren't doing that, then I'd be really kind of upset and maybe a little concerned. But in this case, it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not really freaking out about it. I guess that's good. I don't want you to freak out, Johnny. (laughs) Don't want that. Um, so you know. Like I said, the the best uh, the best thing you could do is just uh, get your revenge where you can. And right. you know, uh, Urban Meyer flipped uh, Keandre Jones, Dwayne Haskins uh, coming to Ohio State, not four star athletes, not going to uh, not going to become terp- terrapins. So, um, terpent. What, what did you make? What did you make of you know all of this happening on on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and 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 sort of just, it was just a barrage of good news for the Ohio State football team. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think what's interesting is that since Urban Meyer got to Ohio State, it really does feel like he maybe has a certain method to his madness. I mean, obviously he does. I mean, we know that, you know, Pantone and all the other dudes are are working their butts off, and they're playing the game the way it needs to be played in terms of recruiting. But he really does seem to like to finish like with a flourish, right? Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, like I know we've had some of the the players who have been locked in for a long time, and we've we've talked to a couple of them, but I do think that he has been telling these guys, like you know, we're interested in you, but we want you to make sure that you're an Ohio State guy. And he's also been trolling the waters for all the other Big Ten teams and saying, like, all right. You know, if there's anybody here who looks a little shaky or somebody who might go, ooh, you know, Ohio State's real interested here at the, you know, the end of this process, I got to reevaluate what I'm doing. He's going to do that. And and actually, that's a pretty interesting sales tactic, right? Like where, you know, you think you've got a good deal and all of a sudden somebody swoops in with a better deal. If they had maybe offered that deal, you know, at the beginning of the process, you would have thought about it. Maybe you would have ultimately gone with 
the you know the safer bet. But uh, mm-hmm. now that this guy's offering you this shiny new deal at the very end of it, you're so overwhelmed by it. Maybe you switch over, and and I think that's what he's done here with the Maryland guys. Dwayne Haskins is is not a joke. I mean that that dude is one of the best players in the country, and to get a guy who is really I think you know he's he's the guy who you want to run that offense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's got to be some intentionality to that. I think it's pretty cool. So here's the great thing about Urban Meyer. The thing that really impresses me about him is that, you know, during the process of recruiting, he's able to keep those channels open and he's able to keep such a good relationship with some of these kids that if somebody he's targeting maybe decides to go to an Alabama or an Oklahoma or somewhere else and, you know, he has to fall to a backup plan, he doesn't make that kid feel like a backup plan. Right, yeah. He, he's able to keep that going and then close when it comes time. It's like, oh, I lost out on this guy. Let me double my efforts on this other guy. And, you know, that bridge isn't burnt. He, it's still open, and, and those guys are still willing to come and play for him at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, that's – and again, that's that's part of the whole recruiting game, right? Like, you've got to make these kids feel like they're superstars. And mm-hmm. that's why you have all the Photoshop pictures of them, and you do all the crazy, <laughs> like – letters and that's why you know Jim Harbaugh's climbing into trees to get down your football and go into class with you and discussing <laughs> philosophy or whatever the crap he does and that's and look I don't begrudge Jim Harbaugh any of that I mean you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do right um mm-hmm. and honestly like it, you know what if it were any other coach the stuff that Jim Harbaugh does to get recruits would feel disingenuous but I believe he's like legitimately insane so I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> wrong or out of character like if that's if that's him then he should do what he would normally do i don't think there's anything wrong with that Um, if he's weird enough to sleep on a kid's floor then then, then, go for it whatever you want dude i mean sure kids see through like when someone's being fake and they definitely see through it when an adult is trying to get on their level when that adult isn't on their level you know what i mean like hey kids what's going on today in class i heard that you guys are all over the youtubes like no what Every kid sees through that. If you're genuine and you're honest, kids are going to understand that. And if that's who Jim Harbaugh really is, then that's who Jim Harbaugh really is. And that'll work because kids will see that he's being authentic. Uh, Same with Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is a shark and he's a huge jerk and he wants to tell you what's up. And he'll say, hey, man, you know, this is, you know, a couple last weeks. I'm going to give you an offer. This is just what we did. He wants to do it like a business guy. He wants to come in like, you know, uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross and, and, you know, (laughs) always be recruiting. Then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Always be recruiting. That's right. So, you know, first place is (laughs) – First place is you get recruited by Ohio State. Second place is you get recruited by Maryland. Third place is you play rugby. You know, like, so, <laughs> so I don't know. Like, it, it's just, it, it's interesting to me because it really is like a psychological game these coaches have to play. And he obviously played it very well with these kids uh, this, you know, this week. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm happy. Yep. So welcome to Ohio State, Keandre Jones, Dwayne Haskins. And also we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't say, uh, big receiver out of Fort Lauderdale, Benjamin Victor. Yes, which is definitely Ohio State. It, it really is. And is this the guy who's going to come in and be that Florida difference maker? I mean, we've had we've had like James Clark. I think was was he from Florida? There was um, I can't remember. Uh, you know, and then of course uh, Dixon and yeah. you know can't stay healthy and that kind of thing. And which is just yeah. want one of these kids to come in and be 
that star receiver like we've seen, you know, we've seen in the past these guys that have have gone from from Central Florida and Southern Florida have gone I, over to uh, to Alabama yeah. and played for Nick Saban and stepped in right away. I want to see one of these kids come in and 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 you know just be a star as a freshman right off the bat. I think that would be really cool. I also think though that because of the way the offense is is situated, that you're not going to see a whole lot of that. Um, it, I mean. How often was like I don't know. How often are the big stud wide receivers for, at Alabama, for example, asked to block right on the outside yeah. against like a blitzing safety? Not too often, uh, I would say. Not the way that that offense is set up. I mean, the skill set that is required to be a contributor in the Urban Meyer offense is not one that lends itself to somebody who can just step in right away, right? Like you have to be able to block. And a lot of high school kids are like, I'm faster than everybody. I can jump fat. I can jump higher than everybody. I just catch a billion balls, and I'm great at that. Uh, but then they get to Ohio State, and they're like, Oh crap! I've got to like, I got to pick up this linebacker. <laughs> right. Like, then, they, then they then they are standing on the sidelines watching a guy like Evan Spencer exactly. play. Exactly. You know? Who who ends up becoming like an incredible asset for the team because of that? So. I look, I would love to see that too. I'd love to see a guy just like step in and be insane, like from day one, but it requires more than that. And that's why I love guys like Michael Thomas so much because, you know, you develop that and then you become a guy who can do both and you're just unbelievable and you're going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars in the NFL because of it. I'm going to enjoy watching him on Sunday. I am too. I, I think he's so underrated and some team is going to be super lucky to pick him up um, towards the end of the first round. I'm I'm excited about that. I think he's he's going to be like his uncle, only a bit faster. Yeah, well, and he just he can run routes so well. That's what I really love about him. Like blocks, he does all the little things. Yeah, he just you know his hands are are obviously insane. Like he's just a very solid, intelligent wide receiver. And what's funny is like some dudes are going to look at uh, some of these teams are going to look at his like forty time and probably balk, and they're idiots. They're really stupid. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. And it's, it's you know, I always say this when we come down to the uh, the old NFL draft and combine, but, like, Jerry Rice ran, like, what, like a 4.6 or a 4.7, you know? <laughs> He's the greatest, maybe the greatest football player of all time. Probably wouldn't get drafted until, like, the fourth or fifth round because of his measurables. And I just, I think that's hilarious. I, I, yeah, it's, it's the NFL cracks me up. It. They just, I mean, because because these these guys they want they want to draft players and and then make them fit in their hole right. rather than than find somebody that fits their system. Here's there's two perfect examples from Ohio State. Mike Vrabel got drafted by the Steelers, did nothing, and then he goes to New England, becomes a star. Right. And and then we're seeing the same thing kind of in Houston with John Simon, who couldn't crack the lineup in Baltimore, but they weren't using him right, and he gets down there, and he I mean he was absolutely outstanding against the Chiefs in that playoff game a week ago. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm, I want to see all these guys in the NFL and, and see how their careers develop. Some, you never know which guys are going to, like, really be stars, though. Yeah, I mean, Some, <laughs> right. And there are definitely guys that, you know, we think are, are definitely going to go in and, and kick everybody's butt, and they don't. But it, it is it is a bit of a crapshoot. But on the other hand, I think sometimes if you just have solid skills, you can stay in the, you know, the game for a long time. It's funny, though, that, you know, like Ted Ginn, right? Ted Ginn, who even throughout college was never a particularly polished wide receiver, he's got that one thing that he can do, which is run faster than literally everyone in the NFL, and that's you know, and now he's on one of the best teams in the NFL simply because of that. You know, and he's catching what I think he had like ten touchdowns this year, or something stupid. 
Yeah. But he dropped about six or seven. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> he has no hands. But, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see how people develop. One guy that I've actually been paying a lot of attention to is uh, Cam Hayward uh, with the Steelers, who's, I think, I mean, that dude's basically like a lifer at this point. Like, he is a solid, good, dependable defensive lineman in the NFL, and he's never going to be, he's probably not going to be a whole lot more than that, but he'll probably have a 10 or 12 year career because he's just really yeah. good at it. So you know he's uh, he's their here's, he's their uh, man of the year award candidate. That's right because I mean and you know an excellent dude and yeah. yeah I you know and that's and that's one of the things like I you know the NFL is always interesting. We'll definitely talk about this as we get closer to yeah. the draft and as we look at the combine. But this is probably going to be the first year in several years where I actually pay attention to it. So, oh yeah, the draft's going to be fun. Yeah. So. By the by the way, speaking of Buckeyes in the NFL, Andrew Norwell no penalties this year. Nice. Good for him. Starter on the starter on the offensive line, no penalties. Um, he has not pulled one JB Shugarts. Yeah. Uh, so Johnny, why don't we get to ask us anything? Because I think we got a few questions. We do week. have a few questions. Let's let's do it. So tell everybody how they can actually ask us anything. You can ask us anything in a v- couple of ways. I'm going to say a variety of ways, but that's not really true. You can ask us anything in two ways. Uh, one of those ways would be hit us up on Twitter at Eleven Dubcast, or you can send us an email. Uh, to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so why don't we start on your end uh, at the, the email questions. Okay, we had we had several email questions. I'm, I'm very excited about this. So let me make sure I, I go all the way back to the last one that we had here because I want to make sure that we get this right. All right, so Mark is going to start us off. Um, all right, so number one, St. Louis Rams fans now find themselves teamless or cheering for a team that abandoned them and is now thousands of miles away. Uh, this is a weird question. What if yes, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes were no longer an option for us? Let's say Roger Goodell did the right thing and promoted them to the NFL, okay, uh, where they would dominate, of course. Uh, so now we're looking for a team to root for on Saturday. Who would you choose if you couldn't cheer for the Buckeyes? Who would be second best? Boy, that is a contrived question, Michael. But <laughs> and a very long one. Yeah. Well, he's got a second one, so <laughs> and a third one. So hold on to your horses. But just if you could not cheer for the Buckeyes, how would you do this? What would you do? Uh, to be a college football fan, you really, I think, have to have an affinity for the school that you're that you're supporting. You don't think, think you don't that, think uh, certain teams have certain kind of play styles and traditions that you might glom onto a little bit. It, it would be really hard for me to pick a, a secondary school because there's something about them that I've all sort of generated this this dislike because mm. you know they're trying to take what what my team wants to go after right sure so it could not possibly be a Big Ten school because I just don't, I, I couldn't see myself cheering for any of them, unless it was like unless I just went right to the bottom and said I'm going to be a Purdue fan they're going to make it one day you know these crazy right. kids uh, but probably not <clears throat> excuse me I, I probably have to go somewhere way out far I I mean I kind of like. There's this, there's another school I kind of like that has absolutely no chance of ever doing anything ever, mm-hmm. and that and that's Hawaii. I love Hawaii. I I dreamed of you know when I was a kid, like if I ever was this this sought after recruit, I would like get all my friends together, all, all the other good players, and let, let's go play college ball in Hawaii because because <laughs> Hawaii man, like Hawaii great. Yeah, so I'm like, uh... you know, you'd want to go and live in Hawaii, but. The fact of the matter is, with the facilities and the stadium and everything, you wouldn't really actually want to play. Yeah, I've, I've actually been to the stadium uh, there in Hawaii. It's it's 
it's pretty bad. It's kind of yeah, it's not good. <laughs> they have a they do have a flea market around there uh, every week in the summer, so that's nice. But um, yeah, the stadium itself is. is what about you, Johnny? You got a, a second team? Oh team? yeah, Northwestern. Come on, obviously. Like I want Northwestern. I want those nerds to do something at some point. Uh, you know, like they're they're like enjoyable Stanford. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Stanford without the the sheen of like money, I guess. I could I could get behind that if Darren Rovell wasn't a Northwestern alum. You know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of broadcasters and journalists who are Northwestern alum. I I just I've made my peace with that. Um, you know, like Adam Rittenberg, I believe. No, not maybe was it Rittenberg or Mandel? I always forget. Uh, Repson, I think was Northwestern. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's everybody. Maybe it's literally every maybe it's football literally player. every broadcast. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Uh, I mean, like I said, I made my peace with it, and I well, I like most of them. I just don't like Rovell. Well, I don't either. But you know, I like I said, I I permanently got myself banned from his Twitter, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to put up with this nonsense anymore. It's it's great. It's win win. Okay. Um, all right. Second question from Mark. What is a realistic expectation for the Buckeyes for 2016? There were lots of chastising Buckeye fans for being disappointed at the season we just had. Uh, to be sure, many a fan base would take a New York Day or New York New Year's Day win over Notre Dame in a major bowl. But okay, so he's going to go on. <laughs> And yeah. just basically say, what are some reasonable expectations for 2016? I'm, I'm cutting that off. Sorry. Sorry, Mark. Uh, well, I wrote a story this past week about the, the road games that Ohio State has this year. Yeah. And it's going to be very, very difficult for a young team to go on the road and play at Oklahoma, at Wisconsin, at Penn State, at Michigan State. Yeah, it's um, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult and Michigan State schedule on the road. I, I know I, they, they're losing their quarterback, but the, obviously, as we've seen, <laughs> they've they've got some dudes waiting in the wings who can who can wing it a little bit. I think Ohio State loses two of those road games and maybe potentially a third game somewhere. I think this team could lose three games this year. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's definitely possible. I think you're looking at probably a nine-ish win season, nine to ten wins. Um, yeah, maybe even as low as eight if if things really get out of hand. And what's funny. Uh, is is how angry people are going to get, right? Like two seasons yeah. removed from a uh, national championship, people are just going to be furious. Firemeyer.com. So Has Firemeyer.com been bought yet? Cause you probably, probably. There's probably some that. dude just waiting like, oh, I can't wait. Um, but, yeah, I look, you know. On the other hand, I will say that this team is actually capable of winning every game on the schedule. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yes, capable. Um, Talent is there. Yeah, okay. Uh, can it all get put together quickly? I mean, we don't know yet. It, it will be the second year under Warren or as the as the offensive coordinator, so maybe a little bit more continuity there, but yeah. maybe a little less on the defensive side with Chris right. Ash. Yeah, so. I, and, and I think that's going to be an issue, honestly. I'm not a huge fan of Shiana's. I know a lot of people like him. I don't. I think he's an idiot. Um, but, you know, no, seriously, like, I know he can coach defense. I'm well aware of his resume. I just don't. Th I think he's a dummy. I think, I think personalities are going to clash. But regardless, I, I think you need to start setting expectations a little lower. He says that uh, some people were making comparisons to uh, 2005, 2015. Eh, sorry, we're not. We're not going to the national championship. <laughs> That's not going to happen next year. I'm sorry. Uh, Probably final, not. What? Go ahead. I said probably not. Yeah. His final question here is, uh, is it okay to put mayo on a hamburger? I say absolutely yes. Of course. No. What are you What are you nuts? Oh, yeah. it, no, it's if, if you're If you're French-Canadian, 
It's okay. No, it tastes good. It's not I'm sorry, because you're a bad person. Sorry anyway. to understand how to make a hamburger, Michael, but it's. Uh, I know how to make a hamburger. I just. I also know that mayonnaise is is right up there with ranch dressing for most vile. Actually, what's stuff. even better is tartar sauce when you have the super big boys uh, from Frisch's, which are delicious. Yeah, sorry. You're weird. Yeah, and and I know I know hamburgers. I've had hamburgers in multiple countries and all kinds of different styles. Mayonnaise is where it's at. Uh, oh, you're the one. You're the one that's a had some hamburgers i've had <laughs> you are oh that was you that's right i've also had uh raw horse i've tried that that was good um i'm gonna say so i probably had have had um at least a decade to 15 more years worth of hamburgers i'm just you saying had. you can't don't hate don't hate you got it i like uh palate. i like to go with uh, occasionally a little barbecue sauce or uh, sometimes some some types of hot sauce mm-hmm. uh mixed in with the with the catsup mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like a little kick to it, maybe. Yeah, but but not lately. So. Like lately, everything I've been getting on hamburger has been like laden with with jalapenos, That's and gross. like like right now, I like jalapenos and bacon on my burgers. Yeah, uh, yeah jalapenos. It's good stuff. Yeah, man. All right. Anyway, next one is from uh, Alvin, Asian chipmunk here, uh, who's really been killing it this this pack past uh, few dubcasts. I want to I want to point that out. Uh, Two questions. If you could choose one OSU player from the past to plug into this year's basketball team to help, who would it be and why? Mike Conley. End of story. Not not even a debate. Yeah, that's a good choice. In I second. mean, there's there's so many good choices, though. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I feel bad. Well, just pick anybody from 2006, really. I feel bad for anybody that has never gotten – that never – is too young, let me say, mm-hmm. to have seen Dennis Hobson. Oh, yeah. Dennis prime. Hobson's definitely a, a, another excellent option. That dude He's a guy – uh, Jim Jim Jackson could have helped this team. Yep. But where do you think this team's biggest, biggest issue is? Where do you think that is? I, you know what? I would almost even say, like, consistent – inside scoring you know what i mean like somebody who can just bang in the paint and, and again we have dudes who can do that but not really they're not consistent scoring options so maybe even say like pete greg odin you know works his way in there and does uh does a little business so yeah when i saw this i saw this question come up and, and the first thing i thought of was a guy who can occupy multiple defenders right. and open up his, uh, his guys and the guy that epitomizes that for me is Jared Sollinger. Yeah, Sully would be great. Sollinger would be, especially with his rebounding ability, right? Like, that dude was exactly. doing, like, 15 rebounds a game. I think that would be – I think it's an excellent choice. Because here's what I see when I watch this year's Buckeye team is I see guys who miss – routinely miss two-foot bunnies. <laughs> right. Which Sully never did. No. I mean, he was money when he got the ball down on yeah. the block. And he can – he's also got soft enough hands to – handle these Jaquan Lyle laser passes that <laughs> are like deflecting off Daniel Giddens right. and hitting someone in the back row. Yeah, Sollinger would be uh, an excellent choice with that, I think. And of course there's my default setting of Aaron Kraft. Right, which, you know, would at least make it a lot more interesting to play against these teams and lose, you know. <laughs> you still well, wouldn't the beat them. It, yeah, the, the defense would be so much better right, exactly. on the ball. So, uh, so you can't go wrong with any of those, and I'm not going to uh, pigeonhole myself into one guy. All right, fair enough. Uh, Alvin has a second question for us. He says, uh, when I was a kid, snow was awesome because of snow days, snowmen, snow angels, and snowball fights. By the way, I just had a, not a snow day, but a cold day today. So I, I did not go to school because it was too cold out. Um, as a grown man, I do not get snow days. <laughs> and my 80-year-old neighbor will not participate in a snowball fight with me. That's unfortunate. Uh, I feel like you should have just instigate one. Uh, did he just ask? Did he ask and the guy turned him down? Yeah, you should just do it um, and then beat him. <laughs> he was 80. 
Don't uh, give him a choice. Don't, don't literally beat him, but, you know, like, throw snowballs at him. Uh, so he says, do you like snow? I love snow. I love snow. I love it. I love it. And, in fact, it's interesting that this uh, these these questions have been paired together because um, – and I actually, Michael, I'm going to send you a picture so you can include it in the Dubcast post. When I was in college, me and my roommate and some other random guy we saw in the Oval, we made a nine-foot-tall snowman uh, that we called Greg Snowden. And uh, <laughs> I, I, it's one of my greatest accomplishments. So I'm going to send that to you if you want to go ahead and include that in the post. Snow's awesome. I love it. I, wish I, I, I like snow. Um, I, I live in Florida now. I don't see snow a whole lot, but I, I do still like it. I, I enjoyed uh, playing in it as a kid. I, I not... I never was a huge fan of driving in it, but I never had too much of a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, except for one long drive home from Pennsylvania where my, my, uh, tie rod kept coming off of my, uh, one of my front wheels and okay. I had to keep pulling over and, and putting it back on. Right. Um, that wasn't, fun. sorry. I, I, we have, we have so many questions, Mike. Okay. I'm keep like going. Rushing keep going. through these things. Yeah, no, no. Keep go on. All right, so Scott's got another one here. Uh, this is from Scott Long from Beaverton, Oregon. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I would hope that our incredibly inspiring dubcast from after the national championship game won some converts, but I'm, I'm guessing that's probably not the case. So anyway, Scott wants to know: better cardio workout, elliptical or stationary bike? Um, do you have any thoughts on this, Michael? I actually do, but I I, uh, I know that you do, and I'm going to let you basically handle the bulk of this. I will say that um, I have not ever been on an elliptical machine. Okay, well, stationary bikes are basically garbage. I mean, riding a bike, I'm not saying they're garbage. I'm not saying riding a bike is garbage. I mean, riding a bike is a fun, enjoyable activity, right? Like, riding bikes are great. I have nothing against that. I love riding bikes. But elliptical is so much better. It's a lot more work. If you look at the calories per, like, hour you know, spent like you to really, to really get any benefit from a stationary bike, you better be doing some like spinning class stuff. Like you better be in there with Shelly Meyer, like working your butt off. Cause otherwise it's just, it's not as good as an elliptical. I don't think I can survive Shelly Meyer's class. Uh, we actually sent, uh, once, you know, old Roland, you know, young Lennon went over there and actually did her class. And, uh, <laughs> apparently she just kicked the living crap out of him. So not, yeah, not, he was not a lot surprised. younger than me. I'm sure he, she would, she would kill me. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Gregory Metz is back and he says, Hey guys, it was a busy holiday season for me. And unfortunately it's kept me from checking in. I really appreciate the Dubcast MVP. He was the Dubcast MVP and with good reason. He, he was excellent, uh, last year and have already used it many times at the bar to hit on women. Hasn't worked for some reason. Well then they're not high quality women and you don't need to be talking to them. So don't <laughs> Uh, seriously though, it's always great to hear, uh, to talk with you guys and listen on Wednesdays. Thanks a bunch. Uh, by the way, he's included a Photoshop, um, which I really, <laughs> I, I really suggest that you check out that, that might, that might actually have to replace my picture of Greg Snowden, uh, Michael. Um, so you might want to, you might want to, it's a nice little OJ Howard, uh, Photoshop. It's pretty good, uh, about the national championship game. Um, all right, so number one, alas, we have lost a cinema hero, Alan Rickman. What is your favorite role he played over the years, Michael? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Are, uh, are you a big Snape guy? Are you a diehard, you know? I definitely, uh, I liked, I mean, he was he was the perfect actor to play Snape. There's no question yeah. about that. I, I read the books and... He's a little, he's a little he, old, but... He kind of instantly popped into my head as the guy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how can you not love his Hans Gruber, and how can you not love the Sheriff of Nottingham? 
Those were there were some excellent, <laughs> excellent roles. And you know, I'm uh, not. I I'm forgot not, about that one. I'm not the big chick flick guy, but I thought he was one of the better uh, actors, the better characters in uh, Love Actually. Yeah. No. I. You know. <laughs> I would say this might be a little obscure, but uh, his his turn on King of the Hill as the King of the Renaissance Fair is is one of the greatest uh, guest starring roles in any. Uh, I, I believe any animated Fox Sunday evening television show, uh, that one's really good. But I, I would have to say Hans Gruber is, is definitely my favorite. I, also very good at uh, as Metatron in Dogma and also uh, yeah. Marvin the Paranoid Android in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide That's to the right. Galaxy. Man, that, what a great actor. That's It's really sad, but he definitely left behind a pretty awesome body of work. Yeah. Um, all right. Second question: What is your plan celebration for when Leo finally wins his Academy Award? Confetti ice cream party, New Year car party, uh, confetti ice cream party, confetti cake party. What, what do you think? Are you going to be super stoked when Leo finally gets it? I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, I think he's a good actor. I'm just not. I don't know. There's something about him that just screams smug asshole to me. <laughs> um, in, in, and it doesn't scream. In, that doesn't like pop out at you about any other Hollywood actor. No, I mean, there's obviously that that's not the case. I mean, but I'm sure. Like, I don't think that when I look at Tom Hanks, but maybe he is one. You know. No, well, Tom Hanks uh, is pretty pretty well documented as being pretty an awesome dude. So, I, I don't know. I just I, I I'm not a huge fan of him. So I guess there wouldn't be a, a huge celebration. I I usually just root for like movies that I like. And, yeah. You know, I don't get all too bent out of shape about which actors got snubbed and which ones won. And I don't really either because I think the Academy Awards, the Oscars are kind of BS. But uh, I, you know, I, I enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio, which is not something I thought I would say in, in 1990s. You know, when when 11 or 15 year old Johnny was like all PO'd because all the girls liked him, and little little high school Johnny was not like Leonardo DiCaprio. But um, yeah, I think he's a quality actor. I think in Wolf of Wall Street he was excellent. I think he was great. Yeah, that was the perfect role for him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, again, I, I don't know that I'm going to be really putting a lot of stock into it. I just think it's an interesting barometer of the inter- industry in general, which is why, like, you know, for instance, having no minority, uh, you know, black or Latino or otherwise, uh, people who are nominated for almost any major award is, is kind of insane to me. Because there are a lot of really good roles, um, yeah, I don't know, man. So it's 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 interesting. I don't, like I said, I don't put a lot of stock into it, but I'll be happy. Guy that, the guy that played Finn, he sh- he should win. <laughs> he was great. He was. He was. He was I mean, excellent. I mean, he was great in Star Wars, and and Daisy Ridley was awesome in Star Wars. Yeah, she was great too. Yeah, the the movie itself, I don't think holds up as well as some people think, but um, the performances and the characters are all incredible. All right, yeah. last one from Greg, and, and we again, we still have many questions to go here. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we roll on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, uh, last one from Greg here. It's this philosophical question of the week. Uh, is there any definitive way to determine whether the universe is a, an illusion or a simulation? If not, does that remove some meaning from reality? If we cannot, uh, if we cannot be positive, if our actions have real consequences. Now, are you aware of this? Are you aware of this philosophical positician posit? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a basic philosophy class. Okay, good. So, where um, the universe so could yeah. be a, a you know a virtual construct by some higher intelligence, and we're sure. just kind of whatever. Does it matter if that's the case? I, I mean, would you take the blue pill or the red pill? Um, <laughs> I, I I don't think it it 
lessens it because in your mind, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's real or if it's not. And you still you still are, are stuck with the the consequences of your actions. So yeah. I don't think it's important uh, whether it is or not. Is there any way to prove that it is or isn't? I don't think there is, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't think it matters that much either because – This is your level of existence. So right. whether or not you could prove it, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you could prove it, let's say you could – let's hypothetically say that you could prove it. People are still going to be hungry, Right. Like, people are yeah. still going to, like, be punching each other. People are still going to be fighting over things. Like, it doesn't invalidate those experiences. All yeah. it does people are still going to tweet at recruits. Yeah, right, exactly. People are going to set up fake uh, WordPress accounts to, like, hate on a recruit's decision because they went from Maryland to Ohio State uh, and spell the name of the, you know, blog wrong. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't think it really matters all that much because the human experience is still the human experience, however, you know, however it's filtered, I guess. Yeah, interesting. I think question, Bobby McFerrin. I think Bobby McFerrin said it best, Johnny. I don't, don't know worry, how Bobby McFerrin say it. Don't worry, be happy. Okay, <laughs> that's incredibly facile. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, all right, Kurt Eric is next. Kurt says, and by the way, Kurt, of course, our good friend Kurt, who, by the way, I think also uh, hit us up with some Twitter shade. I'm pretty happy about. I'm excited about that one. Um, so you detail just two different ways to ask us anything. What if someone runs into you at the Urban Meyer statue dedication date to be determined and has an Ohio State themed or philosophical question? Would you remember the question answer it on the next dubcast or would you tell that jerk to use a state approved method? <laughs> Can people send uh, us passenger pigeons or I, passenger owls? Pigeons? Passenger pigeons are all dead. <laughs> I think here's the thing that would happen if somebody like asked me and ask us anything question and I'm out and about. Uh, I would say, yeah, sure, no problem. You know what I'd say. And then, and I would accidentally forget. I would say, I would, don't talk to like, me. <laughs> who well, who gave your, you permission to talk to me? That's your default. That's five dollars if you want a signed photograph. Otherwise, get out of my face. He does the same thing to his students. That's right. <laughs> no, I would, I would forget, and I would feel bad about it. I, I'd forget and feel bad about it, and then, then I would eventually forget that I felt bad about yeah. it. Don't touch me. <laughs> Wash your hands if you're going to be within five feet. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, no, Kurt's got another question. And uh, then the one after that. So you're, hold all your horses okay. there, Michael. Uh, no. So Kurt's wife watches some really bad reality TV. In your estimation, what is the worst reality TV show? My vote is for Real Housewives of fill-in-the-blank. Uh, do those stupid dating shows count? The Bachelor yeah, and The Bachelorette? Yeah. Which, by the way, my um, grandma watches religiously, so, you know. God, those are bad. I mean, as as bad as the Real Housewives are, and they're bad. Yeah. And the Jersey Shore type stuff, that's that's horrible. Those those pseudo dating shows are the worst. Yeah. You know what I think is actually the worst? I think uh, all the judge shows are the worst. And I know, like, I, as someone who has a very you know strong attachment to the American judicial system, like there was a little expose about Judge Judy a couple days ago where she hasn't been a judge for like 20 years, right? The entire show is scripted. It's all fake. There is no, yeah. you know, actual legality to any aspect of this show whatsoever or any of the other judicial shows, okay? None of them are current judges. They're all either <laughs> retired or fake. And it it really bothers me because that's not the way justice should work. Justice is supposed to be a methodical, boring process where people take a lot of time to really consider everything from all angles, not just some like, you know, random TV lady making $20 million a year for shouting at like idiots who, you know, 
Or like, oh, he he shaved my cat on a Wednesday. I want it shaved on Thursday. But that's not Like, I, screw that crap. I It's just not, it's fake. It's not justice. I hate it. It sucks. It's ruining America. How about that? That <laughs> was terrible. It's the that worst ter- problem in America today. <laughs> that was a terrible Elvis impersonation. I don't know. I, I, don't, know. Uh, <laughs> All right, I don't know what one, that was. Last one from Kurt. Uh, I am the last person alive that has not watched Making a Murderer. Is it worth my time? You're not the last because I haven't watched it either, so I don't know. I haven't either, so maybe there's more of us than you think, Kurt. Maybe you should just chill the hell out. Yeah, everybody says it's really good, though. Um, speaking of yeah, I'm, judicial system, that, that apparently... I'm just far behind. I'm just behind on everything. Well, they just I mean, put I, a new season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on Netflix, so that's been occupying mm-hmm. my time, so... Well, I am just now getting around to Orange is the New Black Season 3. Mm, uh, I've never watched that I've, show, but I heard it's pretty funny. Which I got about three more episodes to go in Season 3. But Is it a comedy? It's somewhat of a comedy, somewhat of a drama. It's a mixture. Okay. And Dramedy? I do enjoy it. And, Comma? You know, but my, my bigger point to Kurt is, though, you know, I mean, I just, like, a few weeks ago got around to The Leftovers. I'm not the guy who's, like, right on top of things. Yeah. I'm always, like... Four series behind. I mean, I think two months ago I finished Boardwalk Empire. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I will at some point get to Making a Murderer. And um, what's that other one? Jenny Jones or something like that that people are talking about? Oh, Jessica Jones. I actually Jessica Jones, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, so there's a few that I still got to get around to. Man in the High Castle, another one that I'd Mm -hmm. like to get to. So, so Kurt, no, you're not the last person, and um, we don't know if it's good. Yeah. We We hear good things. It's probably terrible. (laughs) <laughs> don't talk to me okay is that all the emails? yeah that's questions? all the emails so let's let's roll with twitter all right so twitter uh we have a question from jim pete okay two first names uh jim pete wants to know if donald trump and sarah palin had a love child what would said love child be when he or she grows up <laughs> george washington <laughs> uh, i don't know well I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get super political on the dubcast. We're, we're trying to avoid. I'm trying to avoid getting super political, and those two people are, are definitely a pairing that would make me get political. But um, I think the how answer about is chuds. cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. I think that's what we would end up with—a chud. Um, I think the answer is wealthy. <laughs> yeah, that too. The love child would be wealthy when he or she grows. A very up. rich chud. <laughs> Okay, uh, Kurt actually hit us on the Twitters, and I don't know, this isn't really a question. It's, well, it's, it's an interesting yeah. statement. Saw some of the latest bas- Buckeye basketball scores. Ouch, still plenty of room on the wrestling bandwagon. Um, yes, and the, the, the wrestling team uh, did, a, did a fine job against Nebraska. Yes, they did. Not quite as fine against Michigan. No, they uh, didn't recently. Uh, but I think this is a team, this wrestling team, is a, is a team that will get better as the season goes on and maybe be in position to repeat as national champions. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And honestly, man, one of the most underrated stories from last year, that was so much fun. I, you know, and, and the, the, like, the last tournament for the NCAA, uh, what do they call that for the wrestling championship? I, I know they've got, like, a specific phrase for it. I, I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, the the final like the the final tournament for the the wrestling uh collegiate wrestling there was really really fun to watch last year. It was full of drama. You know, Ohio State, I don't think they'd ever won a wrestling championship or at least hadn't won nope. one in a very long time. Um that was a lot nope, of fun. Everyone. And and of course for, you know, uh Steve to go out the way that he did. I mean, that was just that was cool as heck. So I'm actually really excited and I'm Kurt, I'm glad you brought it up because people, more people should be on the wrestling bandwagon. It is truly an, a Midwestern art form, 
and I, for one, love it. I think it's great. All right, so Roy, I'm gonna. Uh, Roy wants to know. I'm gonna. I would butcher his last name, so I'm not gonna even try. Okay. Uh, Roy wants to know after watching the Vikings Seahawks playoff game, is Ace Ventura the best football movie ever? <laughs> it laces out. No. <laughs> um, no, it's not, not the best. Not the best football movie ever, oh. and only tangentially about football. It may be the best Dan Marino movie ever, uh, but it is. It's not the best <clears throat> football movie ever. I'm sorry. No. What is the best football movie ever? Little Giants. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would believe that because I know you're a big Air Bud fan. I, I actually do genuinely enjoy Little Giants, but that's not that's not the best of all. I don't know. <laughs> right. uh, let's, let's save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's save that let's for think, another. Let's think on guys. that and come back to it. All right. Uh, Kyle Lanker says you guys have got to get Club Trillion to be your hoops correspondent on the Eleven Dubcast. <laughs> Titus uh, is busy, man. He's he's uh, a legitimate big time, you know, media guy. We he's in demand. Yeah, you can't just call up Mark that, uh, Titus and be like, "Yo, Mark Titus, like, what up?" <laughs> yeah. I guess we could. We could ask him. We could try. Yeah, uh, ask him. Yeah, why not? Let's ask him. We'll pay you uh, zero dollars, Mark Titus, or Mark Titus, if you're listening. Yes. Also, didn't I'm not going to say your name the, right. So didn't all that. the Grantland, all the Grantland guys got bought up by MTV, I believe. Yeah, a lot of them did. All the, all the ex-Grantland uh, writers. I don't know if that includes Mark, but uh, should. Mark's a talented dude, and if you haven't read his book, go buy his book because it's really great. It's called Don't Put Me In, Coach. And uh, he, That's right, Mark. We'll plug whatever you want. If, if, no, I, I mean, I obviously, free plug, obviously, but um, the, the thing is if you want to hear great Thad Mata stories, oh, that yeah. book is full of them. <laughs> yeah, no, he is the dude to go to. Yeah. I think he's just so, waiting for Mata to retire so he can unleash like everything he ever heard on the world, which I'm I'm really excited about. Oh yeah, the, the second book that comes out after Mata retires is going to be amazing. Yeah, uh, and that's it. That's all of our uh, ask us. Wow, anything that was a lot of ask us anything questions. I really appreciate everybody who wrote in and and asked yeah. us anything. That was awesome. By the way, when we said you know please get those in on the off season, please ask us questions. We didn't mean for everybody to do it in the same week. Yeah, but you can but, continue doing it. But you yes, please please keep. Keep them up, keep them coming, and we will keep giving you the quality answers that you deserve. All right, well, joining us this week, it's been a, a big week already in the uh, the recruiting area that we, we cover so well at 11 Warriors. Our very own recruiting guru, Jeremy Birmingham. Berm, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. Enjoying the Taco oh. Tuesday somewhere and. You know, Kahana actually, and trying to just break away from the computer for a little while. Well, that's uh, that's good when you can get a few minutes here and there, because uh, I don't know anybody that works harder than you, my friend. And I think um, really excited actually to have you on after the big uh, the big Monday we just had. And I want to just get your thoughts overall on uh, you know what they're calling Twelve Star Monday. Well, obviously, you know one thing that people and the readers and and you know, recruiting fans have been paying attention to is that since Friday Night Lights, the Buckeyes have lost the same number of commitments that they've gained um, in numbers. But when you look at the names of who has decommitted since Friday Night Lights, we've had uh, Terrell Hall, we've had Kareem Walker, Tristan Wallace, George Hill. So we're talking about some real big names nationally. Um, and the guys that have been added to the class, even though they're high, you know, quality players and people, you've had... Luke Farrell and, and Gavin Cup and uh, Antonio Williams and 
um, just recently, Justin went. So you, you really haven't had like kind of that splash commitment that people have been kind of waiting for. Um, and to get three of them at one time and to take two of them away from a Big Ten um, opponent and, uh, you know, DJ Durkin, who's a guy that obviously Urban Meyer knows very well and who coached with Urban, um, mm-hmm. it, it definitely sent some shockwaves through the recruiting world because, you know, Ben Victor had just literally walked off the plane from his official visit to Tennessee, you know, 12 hours earlier. So it, it definitely was a, an opportunity for the Buckeyes to, um, really make a splash. And I don't know that it was necessarily planned to all happen in the same day, but it certainly worked out well. You know what that, so that actually was kind of what I was going to ask you about, because it, sometimes it feels very fortuitous, right? Like it just happened that all of these things, you know, kind of fall into place. I mean, it, do, as, as a high school teacher, I understand uh, how much of a fool's errand it is to try to like base anything on the whims of teenagers, like any kind of scheduling or whatever. But how, I mean, how well are these coaches able to kind of predict and maybe coordinate some of these things? And is this kind of planned or is it just kind of a happy accident sometimes that these things fall the way they do? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Haskins told the Ohio state coaching staff and other commitments, um, in December, December 13th, that he was in. And so since then, it's kind of just been formulating the right time to make everything happen. When they had the chance to bring Keandre Jones, who's one of his close friends in Maryland, in for an official visit, it kind of just worked out. And, you know, Martin Luther King Day is a day off from school for people and an opportunity to, to really take a, make a splash. And Victor, I had heard on, on Sunday night that Ben was going to make his decision on Tuesday. So when I woke up, yesterday morning and saw oh, crap it's happening today it, it, it was a little bit more of a accelerated timeline but you know they knew with ben they knew back in august um that he was in and it's just been kind of a making sure these kids get an opportunity to really live out their experience and go out and do the visits they want to do and you know it as much as fans can hate it and i know some people do we're talking about the single biggest moment of these kids lives and they should really get to enjoy it however they want and it's not really up to us to you know, say how they should or shouldn't handle it. If the coaching staff is fine with it and they're willing to bring in those kids for whatever way to handle things, then we should just be uh, excited for them to suit up in the Scarlet and Gray next year. You know, let me tell you, if if I had a lot of people that wanted to know where I was going to go to college, I would have probably done something, you know, with like, you know, vehicles and live animals and fireworks and all kinds of things too. I mean, <laughs> I don't blame these kids at all for, for seizing their moment in the spotlight. But let me ask you, Berm, what, what, what do you think in terms of, of the next major dominoes to fall in the national recruiting scene are going to be? What, what can we expect here in the next couple of weeks? Well, it's going to be defensive tackles. I mean, the, the Buckeyes will find out on Friday if Richard Lawrence, a five-star from Monroe, Louisiana, they'll find out Friday morning if he's coming north or if he's going to stay in Louisiana and go to LSU. He's the, he's the single biggest piece left for the Buckeyes class because – the drop-off between Lawrence and, and then plan B at defensive tackle is greater than it is in any other position. Um, so that's really the one area when you have a guy like him committing on Friday, and then you'll see uh, Rashawn Gary, the number one player in the country from New Jersey, he's making a choice on signing day. Um, he'll probably end up in Michigan, although there has been some late um, scrambling by both Ole Miss and USC to get involved. So that really is the position that it seems to be the position that makes the biggest impact all the time as a freshman anyway. And then you have 
the best players in the country at that position still um, un, undecided. So that's the one area I think um, that will really be exciting. For Ohio State fans specifically, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Bruce, who's been committed to Miami for almost two years, ends up a Buckeye. Um, that seems to be trending Ohio State's way and doing it relatively quickly. Um, and then after that, the Buckeyes are just kind of waiting on a couple defensive backs, and they hope to have everyone in the mix and figured out by signing day. And at that point, uh, Malik Harrison from Walnut Ridge, the linebacker slash wide receiver, will make his decision on signing day, and that'll be the only one they're waiting for. So uh, it's, it's, the nice thing is that with so many commitments out of the way early, we don't have a lot of that drama that we did last year with uh, Mike Weber and Torrance Gibson and all that stuff. So it's nice to kind of have it all wrapped up in, in a nice little bow. So speaking of guys who've maybe kind of made decisions early, we also have some guys who might be some early enrollees. Can you talk about those guys a little bit and maybe what kind of impact they might have um, you know, in spring ball? Well, there's seven early enrollees, which is the same number that came in early in 2014, which is the year that Raekwon McMillan and Johnny Dixon and Curtis uh, Samuel and those guys came in early. So what you see is, is guys that, that the coaching staff thinks can make an impact next year. The, the primary guys that you'd have to look at for that um, are Austin Mack, the wide receiver from Fort Wayne, um, who's been bumped up all year uh, into the rankings. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, defensive end from Gehanna. The question with Cooper is whether or not he can get bigger and keep his speed. Um, so they really just had him working hard and, and really want to see if he can make an impact uh, this spring when he gets a chance to, to get on the field. Other than those two, I'm not sure that you're going to see many of the um, early guys, except for maybe Antonio Williams, the running back from North Carolina. Um, he's a guy that will fight for playing time. But despite losing Ezekiel Elliott, I, I think people are underestimating the importance that Briante Dunn can have heading into next season and, and Mike Weber as well. So I wouldn't expect any of the freshmen to come in and have to play, um, especially when you look at how many of the younger wide receivers redshirted last year and didn't really get a chance to play. So they're going to just come in, get get acclimated to the program, and, and, and learn what it takes to win um, at Ohio State, and that's, that's the first and most important step. You know, you brought up Antonio Williams, and, um, you know, obviously they're – I don't know how this works, but somehow people get stars and lose stars and and rankings go up and down and, and that kind of thing. And apparently Antonio Williams passed Kareem Walker this week in, in his his rating. I mean, do you pay yeah, attention rivals, to those a lot? dropped Kareem Walker 140 places uh, in their last <laughs> ranking that came out today. Um, Walker has never been a camp guy, which is unfortunately how a lot of the star rankings get you know figured out early. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to go to a, a recruiting combine and blow you away. He's a guy that's on the field. Uh, that's where he's made his mark. And this year as a senior, he was underwhelming. Um, he didn't really show up at the, the opening. I mean, he literally didn't show up at the opening. He missed his flight, so he didn't get to go out there and open any eyes. Um, so it's one of those situations where I think people are kind of just seeing that maybe um, some of the early hype was unwarranted. And then you have a guy like Williams who – put up big numbers in the senior year and the, and his highlight and his tape shows uh, a really good football player. He went to his all-star game and he dominated and, you know, believe it or not. And as, as simple as it sounds, once a guy gets an offer and, and commits to a place like Ohio state, these evaluators have to reassess. Um, maybe they're better than we thought they were because urban Meyer is not going to chase a guy that isn't any good. So, you know, that, that does play into it as well. So let's look at maybe the opposite end of that, though. Are, are there any people that, you know, maybe some of the, the 
recruiting analysts and other people were looking at and going, why did they go after this guy and maybe didn't kind of move the needle for them once Ohio State started to go after them? I mean, I think of like, you know, a lot of two stars and three stars have ended up becoming huge uh, impact players at Ohio State. And I just wonder if there's anybody like that on the uh, roster this year. I think the one guy that that hasn't gotten the attention, and I don't know why because his highlight tape is insanely good, uh, he's played against good competition, uh, is Kareem Felder, the defensive back from from Maryland. He committed to Ohio State back in in March, I think, and he was the first defensive back commitment in the class. The Buckeyes love him. Uh, He's a kid who can play corner, he can play safety, he can run, he can hit, um, but he's the lowest-rated recruit in the class, and, and there's not really a reason why he just... He hasn't really gotten involved in any of the camp stuff, doesn't really care about it. And he's just, you know, got his commitment out of the way and is happy with where he is and uh, made his official visit last week to Ohio State. And the Buckeyes love him. I mean, that's one guy I think it's sort of like Joshua Norwood a year ago, that the Buckeyes really just don't know why other people aren't interested or aren't uh, chasing him or why they, he's not getting the pub that uh, they think he should. But they're happy he's theirs. You know, Burn, you brought up uh, Austin Mack a little bit ago, and when Austin was on the Dubcast, he had a great, a, one of the best Jim Harbaugh stories I've ever heard. And, you know, we saw Harbaugh climbing trees this week. He's, he's done a sleepover. You you know, you kind of talk to these kids and, and, and text them and stuff, and, you know, what do what sense do you get of how they view Harbaugh as a, I mean, I know Austin Mack seemed like he was a little bit put off by him, but other people seem to love him. I mean, what do you make of uh, of how these kids are reacting to him? I mean, it's kind of like any anybody else, honestly. The thing is, there's people that are going to love it, and there's people that are going to hate it. Um, it's it's a bit of a novelty, and eventually it's going to wear off, and, and people are going to be like, you know, come on, Jim, you're, you're Jim Harbaugh. You don't have to do this. Like, you're... <laughs> You're the head coach at the University of Michigan. You've coached in a Super Bowl. You don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to be weird to be successful. You've already been successful. You don't have to take this approach. And to me, and, and I, 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 I love Harbaugh. I think he's an incredible coach. I think his record speaks for itself. But there is a, a certain level of – it's kind of beneath the, the office, I guess. Um, it, I can't imagine – in a million years, Urban Meyer doing that. And um, not to say that Urban Meyer is the, the be-all, end-all or, or sets the, the standard for what a coach should or shouldn't do, but there's something sort of unpresidential about the way he's going about things, and there's definitely people that it's going to rub the wrong way. And, you know, to, to his credit, Michigan is the, the third-ranked recruiting class in the country and will probably finish in the top two or three. Um, so whatever, it's working. Uh, it, it's weird. There's no doubt about it. It is very <laughs> weird. Like, so, it's weird. I mean, they're... Yeah, no, I mean, I it, <laughs> I think weird is probably the best word for it, especially, like, if you're looking at his Twitter and, and just various things involving, uh, you know, I think unpresidential is also another good way to put it. But I want to look at it, maybe a larger, you know, Big Ten picture, it's not just Jim Harbaugh climbing in trees. I mean, pretty much everybody out there is struggling for recruits, right? Like there are dudes who need need a recruiting class, somebody to come in to like save their jobs. Um, how's the rest of the Big Ten looking? I mean, you've obviously got Ohio State, who is up there with the best recruiting classes in the country, right. but how are the likes of like Penn State and Wisconsin and you know Michigan State doing? Well, uh, right now there are four of the Big Ten teams in the top ten rankings, so. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State are all in the top ten nationally, and they're continuing to do well. 
James Franklin, for as off-putting as he is and as terrible a head coach as he is, is a really <laughs> good recruiter. Um, he, he's done a nice job. He brings in talent. Um, whether or not he can coach it is, is up in the air. But the guy, is, is he wins in the living rooms without question. Um, D'Antonio has the last seven, eight years of, of success to fall back on in Michigan State has become a really legitimate threat in the in the recruiting circles as as evidenced by them beating the Buckeyes for Donnie Corley two weeks ago. Um, so there's there's definitely a a divide, however, in those top four and the rest of the Big Ten because there's nobody else in the conference that's doing anything as far as, you know, really opening eyes or turning heads. Wisconsin, Nebraska, um, you know, these the Maryland class has been pretty good, but uh Durkin obviously losing his two biggest pieces to the Buckeyes. Uh, will have a, a pretty lasting negative effect, um, but right now it's the it's the four schools in the Big Ten East, and then it's a huge huge gap, and then everyone else. You know, Berm. Uh, you know, Ohio State with the new new uh, assistant coach Greg Schiano. Have you heard anything about his involvement in in recruiting and how important he has been, and and what kind of a leg up could he give Ohio State in a place like New Jersey where he was for so long? Well, he hasn't done a lot yet. Uh, he's getting himself, like the early enrollees, he's getting himself acclimated, the same with Coach Studd, the new offensive line coach. They're just trying to get themselves in to the program and, and figure out how Urban and his staff does things. Um, coach uh, Shiano's legacy in, in New Jersey is well known. He's, he's got a great reputation there. His recruitment of Jordan Fuller's brother a couple of years ago is something that really helps the Buckeyes with Jordan, uh, who's one of their top targets, a four-star defensive back from, from New Jersey. Um, so that's the one area that he's really had a pre-existing relationship that will probably pay some dividends for the Buckeyes. But um, ultimately, it's, it's another NFL-level coach on Urban Meyer's staff and a guy that can help these kids, whether they're in Florida or New Jersey or Texas or wherever they are, wherever they end up having Shiano's region B. I'm assuming it'll be the Northeast because of his um, name value up there, but whatever he ends up attacking, it's just going to be another guy that can point and say, hey, I can get you to the NFL and can do it the right way, and that's what that's what Urban Meyer wants. I'd expect to see him at Ohio State for two years and, and move on, so um, they're just, you know, part of, part of the way Urban does things. Uh, do you think we see any surprises on signing day? Anything some you know people really do not expect? No, I think at this point the class is kind of dialed in. I, I guess the one surprise would be whether or not Malik Harrison, who's a Columbus guy who waited for months and didn't commit to Wisconsin like everyone thought he was going to, uh, while he waited for the Buckeyes to offer, they did, and now he's willing to wait until signing day, and he's visiting Michigan State this weekend, and then he wants to go to Syracuse. And so whether or not he ends up somewhere else, I guess, is the one surprise because I, I do really think that Sam Bruce, the wide receiver from Fort Lauderdale, from St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, is going to end up a Buckeye, and I think it'll happen before signing day. So. Well, Byrne, before we let you get out of here, I wanted to kind of get your pick your brain a little bit on, you know, what you think Ohio State's strongest positions are in this class, and and where do you think that Urban Meyer could have maybe done a little better? Well, I think defensive line is, ironically, both. Um, I think the defensive line is the strongest spot right now especially if they can you know, bring in a guy like Richard Lawrence. He's obviously a huge factor. But um, they, they really, with Bosa and Cooper, it's hard to argue with the two five-stars at defensive end. Um, Malik Barrow, the defensive tackle from the IMG Academy, he was having an incredible senior season before he tore his ACL, and I think people are kind of overlooking uh, what he can bring to the defensive tackle position. So I think that's one area that 
um, is the strongest. But again, if you don't get a guy like Rashad Lawrence, then you haven't really complemented those players the way that Ohio State has wanted to uh, at the defensive tackle position in the last few years. And that's still an area that is it's concerning just because there's just not those guys like in Ohio. There's five mm-hmm. of the top 20 defensive tackles in the country in Louisiana, and all of them may end up going to LSU. It, it's, a, it's just a weird thing. You know, it's just one of those areas where you're like, how, uh, why can't we do this? Urban has never signed a kid, whether he was at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, or Ohio State, he's never signed a recruit from Louisiana. So um, that's, a, that's an area where they really want to do better. Uh, linebacker with Keandre Jones uh, joining Tough Borland has become a strength. Um, and running back, if you have Demario McCall and Antonio Williams, it's hard to get two two better guys than that that are you're going to be able to make an impact down the road, but do it in different ways. So they they they've done a great job of keeping the class balanced and adding Haskins at quarterback. Really is sort of the the piece de resistance. It's kind of the one where a month ago they thought they had a quarterback, then they didn't, and now they get the guy that some people consider the best in the class. So it's it's uh, it's definitely been a pretty good year. Well, Jeremy Birmingham, our very own recruiting guru, thanks so much for being on the Dovecast and, and joining us. I wanted to do it you know, a little bit further out from signing day because I know how busy that can be for you. And why don't you tell our listeners how they can find you on the Twitters? Uh, I'm at twitter.com uh, slash berm, B-I-R-M. Um, we talk about tacos, Pitch Perfect, um, Ohio State recruiting, uh, Pringles sometimes. So, you know, it's really just a, it's an overall good time. <laughs> it sure is. All right, Berm, uh, have a great one, and uh, try to get some rest before signing day. Will do. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. See you, man. Well, that just about wraps up another 11 Dubcast. Definitely want to thank Jeremy Birmingham, our own Berm recruiting guru. Yes. Uh, just, dude, it doesn't stop. Nope. Does he sleep? Well, he does stop, but not until, like, early February. <laughs> um, he's very plugged in. Everybody talks to Berm. Everybody. Parents, coaches, recruits, you know, the waitress at Denny's. Everybody talks to Berm. Um, Berm and we thank guy? him. I feel like maybe he wouldn't be a big Denny's guy. but I, I don't know if he is. Um, Taco Bell. I don't know. Um, anyway, Berm, thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, looking forward to the signing day and, and seeing how the class shakes out for for the next season. Um, but before we get out of here, Johnny, final question for you. Okay. Uh, obviously, the basketball loss at Maryland was pretty horrific. Yeah, that was, that was, um, that was hard garbage. That was bad. <laughs> and, you know, what I always think about, you know, when a game goes like that is people that maybe made the trip and and spent a lot of money to go see it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just get your thoughts on, you know, what's the worst, like, loss you ever paid money to go see? Like, what was the, <laughs> I know it's probably been a few. You're a, you're a Bengals fan. Um, uh, you know, I've actually what, only been to one Bengals game <laughs> in my life. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I try to try to watch them from afar. That's usually the best <laughs> way to do it. And they actually won the game that I went to. Uh, I, I believe I saw an Atlanta, like, they played the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and I think... <laughs> I think they went something like two and fourteen that year, so I, I really looked down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I would say the worst loss. It wasn't like the worst in the sense that uh, you know Ohio State got completely destroyed. It was actually a very very close game against a very very good team. 
but mm-hmm. it was probably one of the more depressing, heartbreaking losses that I experienced. Like, you know, because I saw, for instance, my last game at Ohio Stadium as a student was uh, the loss against Illinois, and that was really bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was just kind of a depressing, malaise kind of game. The game that I really remember, though, as just being heartbreaking and just infuriating was the loss against Texas at home, um, which I was in. You know, I was in the stadium for, and I was actually right behind Ryan Hamby as he dropped. Oh, no. Like, I was literally within, like, I would say 20, 30 feet from him. And you're like, and I remember distinctly thinking as the ball left, you know, I think, who threw that pass? Was that Zwick? Or was that Uh, who was throwing it? I really can't remember, but I just I remember, don't remember off the top of my head. I, I think it was seeing, Troy. As I remember seeing the ball float through the air, and then he was just standing there. I was like, that's it. We won. We won the game. I can't believe we beat Texas and Vince Young. It's unbelievable. Like, we did it. Like, they're such a good team. And then once the ball got to him and it bounced off him, I was like, I hate everything. And then and the worst <laughs> thing was is that those tickets came courtesy of a college friend of mine, and we had to walk back actually two friends, and we had to walk back to their apartment after the game. And it was like this 40-minute just, like, trudge where we just had the, you know, the sad Peanuts music playing while we had our heads down. Like, it was was bad. It was real bad. I did not enjoy that. Uh, That is a bad one. Um, My worst was I traveled to Ann Arbor, and um, I was at the game where Desmond Howard made the Heisman pose uh, on the punt return. Um God, did I want to just go down and just punch him in the face? <laughs> I really did. I feel did, like that would have gone uh, very well for Michael Citro. I wouldn't have gotten near him, man. I would have been mobbed by all the yeah. all the linemen and yeah. just pummeled into a fine pace. Well, but I, I didn't. Um, or you know, somebody would have uh, would have done to me what Schlegel did to that kid uh, last year or the year before. Right. No, I, I, I that was soul crushing to to go up there and and to to lose and. And have the the guy rub it in your face like that. It was not it was not a fun day yeah. for me because then you you know and you got to whole... buy like a hundred thousand Michigan fans. Yeah, and then you get to drive home afterwards to deal with right, which is no you know you got to think about that the whole stinking way home. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. it was that was probably my worst one, but. Uh, so there you go. There you have way to, it. Way uh, to end the dubcast on a high note, there, uh, Michael. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, the good news is those are in the past. That's right. <laughs> and, and now we can look to the future. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we'll look to next week's uh, 11 Dubcast, and uh, we'll be back with uh, with more fun and more guests and more Ask Us Anything answers and questions, and it'll be a good time. So, All right. You know, put that in your in your calendar, in your in your Microsoft Outlook. <laughs> you know, load up the old Netscape uh, and get... <laughs> people, no, people actually use Outlook. Okay. Come on. Uh, but until then, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace. Bye.